Daniel 7 is where we'll be. Good morning. And let me just uh, add another uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you who are moms and a massive God bless you to those of you who are not, especially if you're a lady and you're not yet a mother. It can't happen. It won't happen. It hasn't happened yet. Sometimes you get left out in the glitz of honoring those who are mothers. And we want to say a big God bless you to you too. And to those who are just wrestling with the, today's a day where people remember their mom who has passed away, is no longer with us. And that's hard. And so we say God bless you to you as well. And maybe uh, mom wasn't as amazing as you had hoped or there's wounds. Uh, God is there. And that's why we're in this series, actually. We're in a series on trying to be faithful uh, in a very broken world. The world is messed up, isn't it? I mean... Uh, terrible things happen to good people all the time. And good things happen to people who we view as terrible all the time. This is the world that we live in. And even on a holiday, we remember that we get all of life, not just the stuff that we want. We get the highs and the lows. And so there's a community, just as a side note, but we'll get to Daniel 7. As a side note, we think that following Jesus means that we're able, we're enabled to step into broken places and show God's love and show God's care. And so we look for places where there is brokenness. And in Jesus' name, we want to partner with people who are stepping in. All of that to say, last uh, Mother's Day, if you were here, Ian Nelson, who uh, works with an organization called Remember New, he was sharing. And uh, this week, uh, uh, one year later, because of your generosity, we're able to donate another $10,000 uh, towards Remember New and their work in helping to stock the stop sex trafficking by rescuing kids who are on the verge of being sold into modern-day slavery. So rejoice in the goodness of God. Yeah, we ought to rejoice. Now, we're thrilled that we can step into it. The terrible part is it's happening, right? That's the world that we live in. So how do we as a church step into areas of brokenness in Jesus' name? And how do we deal with the own brokenness in our own life and in our own world, well, we read the Bible and we read Daniel 7. So if you were here last week, you're like, I thought we already looked at Daniel 7. Well, we just got started. Uh, Daniel 7 is uh, the beginning of a section in this old, ancient, prophetic book that is mysterious. And it's, if you just first read it and you're new to the Bible and you're confused, join the club. I mean, this is just some weird stuff. Six chapters of Daniel's life, history, God at work, and then these visions and dreams. And so uh, I want us to look again at a part that we didn't focus on last week because there is real hope for broken families and there's real hope for broken hearts. And we see it embedded right in the Bible, even though it's a vision, it's a dream, and some of it's mystery. So we'll recap for a second. I know we have some friends who just jumped in this week, who missed last week. The podcast is there to be a help. Um, but what is apocalyptic? We looked at it last week. For those of you who weren't here, there's a, a style of literature that's in the Bible, Daniel, end of Daniel, and all of Revelation. It's called apocalyptic, which simply means revelation. God gives these people, Daniel and then the Apostle John, these these visions that seem odd at first, but it's actually a way for a human being to describe something God showed them. If you're in God's presence and God shows you something, sometimes it's hard to put it into words. You ever been so amazed? Just go like see a, a massively beautiful sunset and fully describe it without a photo. It's hard to do. So you use words. 
And there are at least seven things that are markers of when something is apocalyptic. Let's just recap them real quick. Uh, there's mystery, symbols and images. You read Daniel and you see all of these symbolic things. Cryptic numbers, numbers like four and seven and uh, 666 in Revelation. There's these numbers that mean something. You always find an angel. So here, Daniel has an angel help him understand what this means. It's about future trouble. When you look at Revelation and the end of Daniel, it seems like the world is a total mess, and then God sweeps in and saves. That, that's how this literature works. And in between, there's a conflict, almost a war going on. And then the last marker, which we really didn't look at last week, is there's this thing called the Son of Man. Um, so how do we dive into this? We looked at four things to help us read it. I just want to recap two. When we look at this kind of literature, remember it relies heavily on the scriptures for these pictures. So these symbols aren't random. And when Daniel's listeners are reading this, they have their Bible in hand. So when they hear something and see something, they make a connection that we may miss. So when we read it, we don't just have to guess about what these symbols mean. Most of them are already in the Bible. And remember, the vision is a medium. So when we're reading the end of Daniel, it's, it's a way of describing a message. So we don't overly get infatuated with the vision itself. We try to see what is a vision pointing towards. Okay, that's a little bit of a recap. Um, what do we learn about God's plan to deal with brokenness? That's what we want to look at this morning. Well, look at Daniel 7, verse 13. It's in the middle of it, but there's a picture I want us to focus on. Verse 13 says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Again, a lot of this chapter is about these different beasts. These gnarly creatures that represent kingdoms that God's going to eventually step in and deal with. All of these beasts represent what happens when men and women, when us, when we walk away from God, don't live according to his ways, God in the end says he will judge them all. But there's this picture about an ancient of days and a son of man. I just want to unlock that. This is probably one of the most known, but we'll see how to read it, and hopefully it's helpful as you read the rest of the book. Who is the ancient of days? Well, it kind of gives it away in English because there's caps, right? And that's a title, right? It's a, it's a giveaway, but if you're reading it in, in its original language, there's no caps. There's no uppercase. There's no lowercase. What does this mean? Well, the ancient of days is simply God himself. God is the ancient of days. Well, again, how do we get that? How do I figure that out? I'll read the Bible, Look back at Isaiah. Isaiah writes his prophecies 100 years before Daniel. I'll put it on the screen for time. Isaiah 43. How do the people know this is the ancient of days? It says this. You are my witnesses, Isaiah recorded, declares the Lord, that I am God, yes, and from ancient days I am he. 
So it's not hard for those in Daniel's day to pick up that the Ancient of Days is God himself. Why? Because God has said, from days of old, I am God. All right, so that's the Ancient of Days. And he is the secret to dealing with brokenness. It's the Ancient of Days. Great. Well, how's he going to do it? So in, the, in this little picture that we got, we had two people, the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. The Son of Man comes with the clouds of heaven. That just seems shrouded in mystery. Remember, when we're reading, we're not looking for a parallel for every single detail of every vision. That's not how this works. It's like if you're looking at a great piece of art, you're not supposed to look at every single stroke and find significance. Although when you look at all the strokes together or the images together, you see something that's beautiful. But there are some things that stand out. And here, the Son of Man and the clouds mean something. What does it mean? Well, again, I read the Bible. I read the Old Testament. Now, if I'm Daniel's listeners, remember, when he gives this vision, Belshazzar is leading the nation. And he's a terrible king. He's a horrific leader. And the world's falling apart. But what this picture shows God's people is that even when the world is falling apart, God is still in control. And God is going to step in the ancient of days. He's going to make the difference, and the world is going to be different. How? The clouds. The coming with the clouds. What's the cloud all about? Well, if you've read the Bible, you realize that the cloud so often in the early part of God's story, the Old Testament, represents the presence of God. So the ancient of days is going to make a difference. But the Son of Man is going to come with the clouds. Moses, when he encounters God, God's presence is enveloped in a cloud. When God tells Moses, in the middle of my people, I want you to build a place. I'm going to visit my people regularly. I will be with my people. And God's presence comes to the tabernacle in what form? In a cloud. The cloud of God's presence and there to stay in the camp as long as the cloud is there. When the cloud moves, they move. God led Israel throughout the 40 years in the desert through a fire by night and a what by day? A cloud by day. So this image isn't just any old image. The picture, catch this, is God is invisible, but where his presence is there, it is seen in the cloud, okay? So Daniel gives the vision to the people. It's mysterious. Again, we don't totally get it. But the Son of Man is coming with the clouds. In other words, God has come to earth and we see him in the cloud. And in this case, the Son of Man is coming with God's presence. Oh, okay, so who's the Son of Man? Now, again, this may seem super basic, but we don't want to just learn the Bible and how to apply it to today's life. We want to learn how to read the Bible, right? Part of our goal here is to study and figure out, so when you're on your own, I don't want to just give you tips that you can apply the Bible for today. I want to give you some help. When you're reading the Bible on your own, you're able to make the most of it every day, not just Sundays. So when I'm reading this, I'm looking, ancient of days, God himself, Isaiah has that. Cloud all throughout the Bible. Okay, so who's the son of man? Here's the challenge. Son of man can be just translated human. Son of man was just a phrase that said a human. So what do we have so far? It's mysterious. 
a human in the presence of God is going to come. And God's going to bring real freedom through a human. So far, so good. Not, not a big deal. Although this human isn't any old human. Pause. This is the weirdest Mother's Day message ever. Okay, we'll go back. So you're like, what are you doing? I wore a dress. Why, why are you talking about clouds? We'll get there. Wait to the end. All right, verse 14. What's this human like? Look at this human and what's going to happen. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. Who? The son of man. A human? That's weird. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So we get these mysteries in a vision. And we're not going to understand it all, but somehow... Son of man, a human with the presence of God is going to come, but this isn't any old human. This son of man is going to be worshipped. Whoa. Now, you know in the Bible, if you've read it, how many gods are you supposed to worship? One. (laughs) Ten commandments. There's one God. Don't worship anything else. And don't make an image because God is holy. There's none like him. So you're, you're given in this vision something that almost doesn't make sense. A man, presence of God, coming from the presence of God, and he's worshipped. He's got an everlasting dominion that won't pass away. Remember the contrast. There are these human kingdoms, these beasts, these kings, these nations. They all pass away. But then you have the Son of Man who's unlike anyone else. Again, that's, that's why we skip parts of the Bible. That's why we skip Daniel. That's why we skip Revelation. Because it takes time to think through. But here's the beauty of God. God is letting his people know what he's going to do before he does it. And this is why it's worth the study. And this is why it's worth the time. And this is why it's worth the effort. Because how many of you want what, what God has for your life? I would say, I want what God has for your life. Okay. Okay, how many of you are willing to work for it? <laughs> Well, maybe. See, what we want is everything explained with no effort. But God loves it when we seek him. And so God gives Daniel, 600 years before Jesus, these hints so that God's people would be looking and that when the Son of Man does come, they wouldn't be surprised as to who he is. Now, here's what we get at the end of this mysterious vision. Daniel's freaked out, doesn't know what to do. He's confused. So if you're freaked out and don't know what to do, join the club. So was the guy who got the vision. So we don't know what it is, and it's left hanging. That's it. Move on, and we'll read Daniel 8 next week. Except what happened was this vision was left in the sight of God's people. They didn't know all that it meant. So for centuries, people were wondering with hope. Here's what God did. Here's what I'm going to do to bring real rescue in my world I am going to change things. I'm going to instill hope like you've never seen before. And it's going to come from the ancient of days through the Son of Man and wait. So we don't know. 600 years, people are wondering, God, when are you going to step in? And this is the beauty of God. He does step in because there's Jesus and the Son of Man. There's a human from God's presence. And and who's the Son of Man? Because we want to figure out, where does Jesus fit in all this? Here's the beautiful part. The phrase son son of man, it's it's human, 
But notice what Jesus does. In the four Gospels, the term Son of Man is used 80 times. This is why we read the whole Bible. Some say, I like the New Testament. I kind of get that. The Old Testament, not so much. Here's why we need to read the whole Bible. Jesus is the one who picks up on what God had said through the vision to Daniel. 80 times in the Gospels, 32 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, 26 times in Luke, 10 times in John. Some of them are speaking to the same event, but this is not a small deal. As a matter of fact, every time in the Gospels that you see the Son of Man used by Jesus, it's Jesus the one saying it. No one else calls him the Son of Man. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. What does that say? Jesus is connecting the dots in the Bible. Remember, Jesus is born from the people of Israel who were given this promise. Don't you worry. The beasts, the evil kingdoms, they are coming and they're destroying, they're ruining. But God the Savior is going to step in. And so Jesus speaks of himself as the very Son of Man, which is why sometimes the religious leaders want to kill him. Like, why would they want to kill him? He's a nice guy. It's because Jesus is making the reference to this ancient prophecy of how God's going to save the world. The ancient of days from his presence is going to come a rescuer. I'm just going to give you a few this morning that can help connect the dots for you. All statements of Jesus, most of them from Matthew. Matthew 9, verse 6. Just take a photo or jot these down. I want you to know, Jesus speaking, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to a paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Here's another one for the quote, Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus does what only God can do. And Jesus makes the connection. The Son of Man, so you know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Who forgives sins in the Bible? God. But Jesus wants everyone to know, I'm going to prove to you. Look, I could take care of his healing. Get up, walk. And he walks out and he walks. But he's like, that's okay. Lots of people claim to have miraculous power. But what Jesus says to the person is, I forgive your sin. Only God does that. Who instituted the idea of the seventh day and the day of rest? Who instituted that? God did. Who has the right to change how we interpret what God did? the Son of Man. So for centuries, if you were a Jew, one of the biggest markers in your life in a foreign culture was honoring God's day, the Lord's day. You did no work on the seventh day because on the seventh day, God rested. So even when they were living in a foreign land, Daniel and his friends in a foreign land, you lived to honor God. This is God's day. And Jesus says, the Son of Man is the Lord. He's above the Sabbath because he's the one who created it. So Jesus, the Son of Man, rules with the Father, the Ancient of Days. From his presence, Jesus is doing exactly what the Father is doing. A couple of more, Matthew 12, 40. As, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, Jesus predicts, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus shows how the Son of Man is going to bring God's rule on the earth. Interestingly enough, Jesus connects the dots in the Bible. 
You think Jonah was about Jonah. What happens after Jonah comes out of the big fish and finally lands in Nineveh? How many of you know the story? What happens? Tell me. What happens? They repent. The biggest renewal of God's people, the, the biggest influx of people who've ever entered the kingdom of God is after Jonah goes into the fish. He's, he's as good as dead, but comes out, out of the words of Jonah, come an absolute repentance of God's people. Even the cows repent. I don't know how that happens. But even the animals somehow turn to God. I don't know how. All of that was not just about Jonah and not just about a fish and not just about the Ninevites. It was about what God was going to do in the whole world in and through Jesus. And so Jesus connects the dots as Jonah was so. When the Son of Man, as Jonah went down and up and spoke alive again, so to speak, because everyone thought Jonah was gone, so Jesus will be shared throughout not just to one city, Nineveh, not just to one nation, but to the whole earth. And what is the Son of Man going to do? This is the one that confused him. As the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the twist. Jesus is letting them in. This ancient prophetic picture from Daniel was about Son of Man coming with the clouds, with authority. There's a throne and he's judging so everyone expected that the Son of Man was going to be like a king, like David of old. And he was going to rule and he was going to kick out the enemies. And he was going to be really more of a military ruler. And he would bring in God's government, God's peace, God's ways. Everyone would follow the Torah, the law. Everyone would honor the Sabbath and the presence of God in the cloud would come again in the temple. And we would walk with God. None of them expected the Son of Man to die. But Jesus tells them this is the purpose of the Son of Man, to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, one more here. Matthew 19, 28. I want us to see that the, the Bible is one long unified story that points us to Jesus. All of it. Jonah is pointing us to Jesus. And the cloud pictures are pointing us to Jesus. Now Matthew 19. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. So Jesus points to the future. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. So he's speaking to the apostles, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. All I want us to see here is what I skip by whenever I read the New Testament. The Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. I'm going to quote you Daniel 7. Thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. And then back Matthew 19, the, 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 you're going to be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Back to Daniel 7, quote, the court was seated and the books were open. So I, all I want us to see is that these mysterious prophecies, this mysterious vision is leading us 600 years after Daniel, in comes Jesus and what he does is he tells God's people what was written and what was promised is now happening in me. So it should be no surprise that when we get the book of Acts and Jesus is now dead, he paid for our sin, he rose again, and early on they start telling the Jesus story of what happened. 
Well, Stephen is about to be stoned, one of the early leaders, because of his confession that Jesus is not a dead prophet. He's the son of man. Look at what happens, Acts 7, verse 56. Look, he said, I see heaven open. He's about to get killed here, right? And the son of man standing at the right hand of God. His entire speech was about Jesus. And so writing to Jewish people who knew God's story, even Stephen says, and, and then they take stones. And at that point, wait a minute, heaven is God's space. And you're saying this Jesus is ruling in God's space and they kill him. All I want us to see on Mother's Day here is that God's plan to step into our brokenness can be trusted. And Jesus is no ordinary leader. He's not one, one of many prophets, one of many teachers, one of many avenues that you can find health and wholeness. He's not one way to find peace in your troubled world. He's the promised son of man. He is the sent one. And there's no one like Jesus. And this is why we can bring everything to him, even our family mess. I'm going to get to Mother's Day eventually, but just a, a little more. Let's... let's, let's um, <laughs> I'm going to get to Mother's Day when I take my wife out to brunch, actually. Revelation 1. So, okay, all of that is the old. It's leading into the Gospels. But then the last book in, in, in God's revelation to us is called Revelation. Revelation 1, 12 through 18. I just want us to see this, and then let's try to apply it to today. Verse 12. John is, again, like Daniel. He's been given this mysterious window into these visuals. And he says, I turn around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Remember, don't get overly caught up in the numbers. The numbers have, have some symbolic meaning. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, a human, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest, and the hair of his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. I've actually seen some artwork. Maybe you have. You can just look online. Uh, just just you know, type in Jesus and Revelation, and you'll see the most freaky pictures of Jesus. And it's like, man, I want the sweet, you know, like Norwegian Jesus. I don't want this version of Jesus because it's like, like what? You know, like fire shooting out of his eyes and all that. And hear me. That's not the point. This, this is not a descriptor of like Jesus was masked in human flesh, but really, you know, that's, that's just, that's not the point. The point is, in the line of what God had been saying in Daniel, John gets similar glimpses of the same person. Daniel, Daniel 7, I won't throw it on the screen, but talking about hair, the hair of his head was white like wool. That's a direct quote in verse 14 of Revelation 1. It's, it's exactly there. His throne we get in Daniel was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. And in Revelation, you see that his eyes, his vision is like with blazing fire. Again, the, the point of it is not the details of the Revelation. It's the message they speak to. Daniel had a glimpse of Jesus and now Jesus comes to earth and rises again and is seated in his place of authority. And John gets the same vision of the beauty of Jesus. We'll just keep reading in Revelation for a few more verses. 
Describing Jesus, verse 15, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand were held seven stars. Again, that's that number seven. Coming out of his mouth was like a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I love it, I fell at his feet as though dead. Which is like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Again, don't get thrown off in the, again, the fire and the, the, the tongue like a sword is this picture of a mighty, powerful judge is now seen in Daniel and now seen in Revelation. And what these pictures point to, and when we, we will look at Revelation, so this is like a, a warm-up teaser to a longer study in Revelation that we'll have in the future. We want us to see that God is consistent in telling us who he is. And so some places, God's people see his presence in like a cloud. And then he gives these graphic pictures of what he's like in Daniel and then in Revelation and Jesus is alive, and he's powerful, and he rules, and he's conquered death, and he's conquered the grave. And that's the last picture I want us to think about this morning. I said we'll get back to Mother's Day, which is a strange, it's a strange holiday because it really depends on your family situation, where you are smiling, rejoicing, or just really hurt and faking it. Because this is a day where everyone's supposed to be happy, and the colors are pastel and flowers and lunches, and yet, let's not kid ourselves, there is so much brokenness in our families that it brings us to tears, doesn't it? And there's so much unknown. Why, if God is good, an honest question, if God is so good, and I actually love Jesus, then why am I going through what I'm going through? You ever been there? You ever try to explain how good God is, and then have a friend come back and say, show me? Because I'll just show you the headlines from today. If he's really good and he's really caring and he's really loving, then what's this great God doing about X, Y, and Z? And those are complicated questions. And we don't want to give, you know, the little sticker answers. It's all going to be okay. Put the sticker on. When for some of us, it will not be okay for a long time. But in the end, I want us to get this glimmer of hope. There is this unlike anyone else Jesus, who's the first and the last, who's the beginning and the end. He was dead, but he's alive, and he's the ruler of everything, and he is showing himself to John in ways that will blow our mind to come back. John is to go back and write it down. Why? Because there are going to be people sitting in rows right here on Mother's Day in 2019 who need to hear a word of hope. We need to hear a word of hope because the brokenness of our family is too big. The brokenness of our neighbors and neighborhood is too big. The brokenness at the workplace is just too big. The brokenness in our own soul is just too big. And so how do we wrestle with a God who's loving and caring and a, a world that looks like it's going closer to hell than heaven? How do, we, how do we marry the two? And I think we remember that God himself is working in and through Jesus to redeem 
everything and bring it all back into the way that he intended. And so you keep reading Revelation to the end and what you're gonna find is the final picture is when God fully and finally judges all evil. There is a place and a space where God is with his people and there's no need for a cloud. He's not hiding from anybody. There's a time and a space where you and I and countless billions who follow Jesus are with them and we're eating together and we're relaxing together. It's like the coast on a sunny day with no wind, which I experienced on Friday. It was amazing, never to be repeated, never. But it, there is a time and a space where you and I are promised God will create that space God will deal with evil and God will get you to the place where you will enjoy him forever. And in the middle of that, I can have hope in, in, in the midst of my brokenness. And so I want to put one more verse on the screen that I think ties a lot of these themes together. It doesn't use son of man, but it ties it together. Galatians 4, uh, Paul, who is a Jewish thinker who encountered the risen Jesus, became one of his followers. He has a way of connecting the dots because he knew the Bible really well. And so he's writing to a church that's struggling. And he says, as a reminder, Galatians 4.4, 4, when the right time came, God sent his son. I think he's pulling together all of the Bible because for centuries people were wondering, when is God going to deliver? When is God going to save? And, and, and Paul reminds him, look, read the Bible. Know, know what God has done. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, son of man, a real human, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves under the law. Jesus is the great judge. And all of us are bound up by our own brokenness. We've all broken God's commands. We've all ignored God's ways. So we're all messed up and we can't blame God. And honestly, we should blame some others. They had a part to play in it, but we gotta start by blaming ourselves. We've all rebelled. We all need God's grace. And because we, uh, I'm sorry, middle of verse five, God's entered by freedom for us who are slaves of the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. The whole point of the Son of Man coming was to bring us back. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir, which are these beautiful metaphors that I think are fitting on Mother's Day. Uh, we belong to families that are incomplete and broken. And, you know, there's some great in our family, but there's a lot that I laugh at and cry about too in our own family as well. But let's remember that all that God had been doing from the beginning, from Genesis when men and women rebelled, all the way to the coming of Jesus and all the way to the promise of how God is going to end this thing and start something anew is this beautiful, beautiful thing. You and I are invited to be a part of God's family. And so whereas my human family is going to fail and mom and dad are going to fail and son and daughter are going to fail, there is one who never fails and his name is Jesus. And Jesus came to bring us back to God, to take away the curse of sin and to bring us into freedom. So what do we do? We remember today, we you and I who follow Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The cloud, the cloud, the presence of God. Now a more beautiful metaphor. It's not just a cloud developing around, but God's very spirit, God's very presence is living inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Which means you're gonna face some hard things, Jesus did. 
but you can face them with joy because God's presence is with you. And when you don't know what to do, you can cry out, Abba, Father. And that's where I want to leave us this morning. Not only do we have God's Holy Spirit, um, but the Father is inviting us to call on Him about anything and everything. So the question I want to leave you with is, where do you need God's hope and God's help? Where do you need God's hope and help? In what kind of space do you need Jesus, the Son and Man, fully human, who knows what you're going through? If you've ever said, God, you don't get it, then maybe you haven't fully read the story. God does get it. And God does know what it's like to have pain and suffering and see the things around you that should be going well fall apart. Uh, he knows what it's like to be abandoned. He has his, his best friend or one of his closest 12 uh, give him over to be crucified and abandon him. He's got the other 11 who's supposed to be by his side. One says, hey, if anyone comes after you, I'll take out a sword. And they all run like chickens. And there he is alone on the cross. His mom's there. John eventually makes his way towards the cross. And you think that the end of the story is bleak. Jesus dies with nothing. No money, no accolades. He, drop, he dies like a common criminal. But that's not the end of the story. He's the son of man. And he's the son of God. And he's taken on our shame. And because he's God, he can rescue us from our mess. So let me just ask you, where do you need him to step in? Maybe you just need peace to make it through today. Maybe you need him to come in and do a miracle in your family or your relationship situation. Maybe you're just on the verge of collapse, whether it's financial, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's emotional. Let's bring our victories. Let's bring our dreams. Let's bring our hopes. Let's bring our failures. Let's bring our pain. And let's bring it all to Jesus who understands and is alive and is watching and listening even now. And friend, you can walk in feeling low and hurt and walk out standing tall and knowing that God is with you. And with his power, you will make it through. So I'm going to invite you to stand now and we're going to respond in worship to Jesus. Um, I know enough of you here this morning to, to say this is like not a prophetic word. Some of you are walking through hell on earth. I'm saying because I just, I, you've actually let me know. I know it. And others of you, I may not be aware of it, but I know enough who are going through rough times to know that we need a word from God. And so I invite you now to step in and press in as we sing these songs as we ask God to bring his presence to change things let this not be just a group of songs that we sing and we walk out and do our, our thing but I pray this morning that we'll have a legitimate encounter with Jesus and that Jesus in his love will change, if he doesn't change his circumstance today, will change my perspective so I can walk through remembering that he's for me and with me let's pray, Lord this morning we thank you that you've come, not just in a picture like a cloud, but you've walked on planet Earth and you've experienced our pain and you've defeated all evil and all hell and all death. And now the keys to life itself are in your hands. So this morning we invite you, Lord Jesus, to remind us of your presence, to remind us of our future in you. And Lord, we cry out with these songs and in our prayers, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name.